0: This series of Friday's Child is brought to you in association with The Healthy Home. I don't know about you mamas, but my desire to nest and organise my home has only increased since the arrival of my daughter. I am obsessed with making sure my home is clean and hygienic for my little one. But there are certain germs and nasties that cannot be seen by the naked eye. Well, this is where the wonderful team at The Healthy Home come in. The Healthy Home is the leading company in the Middle East specialised in advanced eco-friendly sanitisation technologies, home services and products. Their esteemed team have been the expert leaders in the home services industry since 2013, so they really know what they're doing. As we enter the height of the sweltering summer heat here in the UAE, we are all going to be spending a lot more time in our homes and our AC systems are going to be working overtime. So now is the perfect time to get the healthy home team in to make sure your home is free of impurities that cannot be removed by regular cleaning methods. And if not managed properly, germs, bacteria and viruses can be spread across your home through your AC. Poor indoor air quality can trigger allergies, asthma, eczema, morning fatigue, itchy eyes and even bed bugs. So protect your family and have peace of mind that your home is not only clean but safe. I recently had the Healthy Home team in to clean and sanitise my baby's nursery, including her crib mattress along with my mattress. And if you want to see what came off my poor mattress after the team had worked their magic, check out my highlighted stories on the Friday's Child Instagram page for a real shot. All their treatments are chemical-free and eco-friendly, so they're 100% safe for infants and children. It felt so fantastic to know my baby's mattress was thoroughly cleaned and sanitised, along with the rest of her nursery. And mummers, guess what? These treatments don't just give you peace of mind that everything is beautifully clean. The benefits also include better breathing, better sleep, and improved energy levels. And I'm delighted to report we all slept very soundly through the night after that one visit from the Healthy Home team. The Healthy Home has quickly become an integral part of our home maintenance. And I've already marked on the calendar our next visit as it's very important to have these treatments every six months to maintain all the fabulous health benefits. If you'd like to find out more about the Healthy Home Services, just visit their website www.thehealthyhome.me or check out their Instagram page, both of which are linked in the show notes of this episode. Welcome to a brand new series of Friday's Child, the podcast on a mission to educate, empower and support you on your parenting journey. I'm your host, Peter, a British expat who's been living in Dubai for 10 years and first-time mama to my gorgeous little girl, Mavia. I have some incredible guests for you this season, including Heidi Murkoff, the author of the iconic best-selling book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, YouTube star, Nurse Zabe, along with amazing childbirth educators, parenting coaches, and real mums keeping it very real. So, let's get into it. My guest today is a labor and delivery nurse, a mother of three and a YouTube sensation. This awesome woman's name is Elizabeth, but you may know her as Nurse Zabe. With over 100,000 YouTube subscribers and one of her most popular videos, 10 Things Your Labor Nurse Wants You To Know, having 2.7 million views, Elizabeth is on a mission to educate and support mothers with her super honest and real videos. I had the privilege of speaking with Elizabeth when she was just days away from giving birth to her third child, a beautiful baby girl who has now entered the world and is called Rosalie. Elizabeth is documenting her postpartum journey via her Instagram at Nurse Zabe, so be sure to follow her for some amazing tips and tricks and advice. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with the brilliant Elizabeth, aka Nurse Zabe. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am such a big fan of yours. I watched all your videos when I was pregnant. My baby's now 10 months old. And I remember one in particular where you were, I think it was called Things Your Midwife Wants You to Know or something like that. And I just, I learned so much from your YouTube channel. So thank you. And I'm really privileged to have you on the show today because you're literally like days away from giving birth, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I am 39 weeks and one day pregnant today. So hopefully in the next week or so, I will be giving birth to our third child, which is so
0: exciting. It's so exciting. And literally like, Any day now, it could happen. You're on that final countdown. Um, It could happen right now. It could literally, well, that would be a first. On the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would be a first for
0: me. Um, Elizabeth, can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your journey to becoming the incredible content creator and YouTube star that you are today?
1: Wow. um, so I appreciate that you call me a YouTube star. I don't really see myself in that way. but I think if we kind of go back when I graduated from high school, which is really where all this started, I decided I was going to become a nurse. And I always said I wanted to be a NICU nurse, which is in the neonatal intensive care unit. So itty bitty little babies who were born really early or born really sick. And then in nursing school, I went into a NICU and I realized that I did not want to do that, that that was something that was very stressful to me. But what I found very interesting and very much more my niche was dealing with laboring people and then healthy newborns or, or not healthy newborns, but helping laboring people to deliver their babies. So um, that is kind of my background as far as nursing goes. And I've been doing that for about eight years. So when I graduated from nursing school, I was lucky enough to be hired onto a LDRP unit, which is labor delivery, recovery, and postpartum. So in the States, um, not everybody who does labor and delivery also does recovery and postpartum, but my unit, it's like all one thing. Okay, so I, I take care of postpartum patients as well, which I think really comes into play. There's so much education that goes into postpartum. A lot of people think that it's not hard nursing, and it's not in the sense that I'm not doing these incredibly intense procedures with the patient but we're sending them home with a whole nother human being yeah and so there's so much education that goes into that um, and my work paid for all of us to take a childbirth education class so I did that and then I got certified as a childbirth educator and kind of at the same time I had just had my first child and I really enjoyed watching YouTube and I was like oh maybe I can make YouTube and like kind of have that be my thing and at the time I, w- I was into Watching like family vlogs and stuff, mm-hmm. which I'm not really the biggest fan of anymore because I do think they can be exploitative to children. And if you've noticed, my kids are not on my YouTube channel yeah. now because I want them to kind of have a say over that. But that's kind of how I started. And I made the video that you're referring to called 10 Things Your Labor Nurse Wants You to Know um, back in like 2016, 2017, maybe. And then I didn't really i had stopped making youtube videos i i had like a a jumble of content you know like cleaning videos and i hadn't really found a niche but i made that video and then randomly in maybe 2000 2018 that video just went viral and i don't know how it went viral it just went viral all of a sudden i was getting so many views like i got up to like a million views on that video very quickly and so then I started making more videos and really using my expertise with uh, labor and delivery and postpartum and also my childbirth education to kind of make those videos. Because for me, the important thing is that I'm providing people with evidence-based information that is broken down in a way that's easy to to comprehend. And that's entertaining because that's what I like to watch too. So that's kind of how I became a YouTube star, so to speak, was just like a random fluke of YouTube promoting an old video.
0: But I think it's also the way you deliver it, because you're so informative, but you're also, there's some humor in there. And Mm -hmm. like, you're so real with it. And there are things that People need to know and they aren't spoken about enough. I mean, how many times have women said to you, well, I didn't know that would happen or I wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. that, you know? So we need to be talking about these things that happen in birth so we can be prepared. And it's all about education, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it it really is. And I think there's so much that needs to happen both in your pregnancy and then also postpartum education-wise that just gets missed. At least in the United States, the way that we do our healthcare is you go in and you see the doctor maybe once a month, once every two weeks, once every week by the end of it. But you're not getting, you know, 30 minutes of uninterrupted time to ask questions. It's like they come in, they listen to the baby, they ask you if you have any questions. You've probably forgotten the questions that you had. And so everybody goes to Google to look up this information. And unfortunately, on Google, there's a lot of information that's not correct, Mm -hmm. too. So I am kind of like a weird, quirky person. And I try to like, just let that come out in my videos. Cause I feel like people appreciate that honesty as a human being. But like, if you ask my coworkers, if you even ask my patients, they're like, oh yeah, that girl is kind of weird. And like, that's fine. That's just who I am.
0: Um, I don't think you're weird. I think you're amazing. I think, <laughs> Thank I, I, th- you. <laughs> I think this state is very similar to the UAE. So I'm here in Dubai and we have a very similar healthcare system in that you pay for it. So, unlike the UK where I'm from, where, you know, if you're having your baby on the NHS, you have an, you have a midwife that comes to see you that I think like after two days and then after seven days and you sort of have that a little bit of postpartum care there. Here, we have every resource you can imagine, but you need to set it up and you need to pay for it. So what tends to happen here is women will have their baby and then be really struggling with something, whether it's feeding or how they're feeling, whatever it may be. And then it's only once they're at that point of desperation, do they then start to reach out and kind of, you know, I need, you know, a lactation consultant, or I need to speak Mm -hmm. to someone about my mental health. It's not kind of like the doctors are amazing, but they don't say, okay, this is what might happen postpartum. And here are some resources. That's not really how it how it works um so i think the states is quite similar to us in that way
1: yeah so we in the states don't have our we have one postpartum visit at six weeks and that's it unless you have something yeah, same. that is kind of triggering the system to see you earlier like maybe your blood pressure was high when you were leaving the hospital or you answered high on a postpartum depression scale or you have a history of postpartum depression and we're you know obviously with the pandemic that makes things tricky. But with the pandemic, we've done a lot more of like Zoom and virtual meetings, especially Mm -hmm. for the mental health meetings, which has been so beneficial, I think, because one of the things that people really struggle with postpartum with mental health is, is realizing that they need help and then getting out of the house to actually get the help can be so challenging. So the practice where I go and the providers that I see will see you same day via Zoom if you are having any issues with your mental health, which I think is really awesome. And I wish that it didn't take a pandemic for I know us to realize that there are ways to kind of work around the system yeah, to help people.
0: Yeah, completely. And thank goodness it's kind of opened people's minds a little bit more to, okay, we can just jump on a call and have a chat about this now. We don't have to wait and book you in and you need to leave the house because that in itself can be very triggering and very stressful mm-hmm. when you have a newborn. Um, Elizabeth, can you tell us a little bit about your own pregnancy and birth experiences?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess actually I said that I started my YouTube channel when I had my oldest when she was little, but I actually started it. It was like a trying to conceive channel. That used used to be a thing on YouTube. And there was like a whole community for that. So with our first after we've been married for a few years, my husband and I, we were trying to conceive and we're really um I don't want to say struggling because I know a lot of people really have a hard time getting pregnant. But I had read Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I was very into tracking my fertility and we were trying for like 10 months and not getting pregnant, which I know isn't a super long time, but we were a bit concerned something was going on. So I went and did a preconception visit and found out that I had hypothyroid and that I needed medication to treat that because your thyroid regulates a whole bunch of different things, including fertility and a lot of metabolic stuff. as soon as I got that treated, we were able to get pregnant quite easily with my daughter and the pregnancy went really smoothly and her birth with her, my water broke and I didn't go into labor and so I ended up needing Pitocin and I got an epidural and um, labored quite quickly actually with all of that and then pushed for about an hour and 45 minutes and had her, but looking back retrospectively at that experience, even though I was a labor nurse at the time, I really think that I could have benefited and learned a lot from a childbirth education course Mm. because I knew what labor looked like. I knew how people dealt with labor. I knew how I helped people deal with labor, but I'd only been doing it for a pretty short amount of time at that point. And I didn't really i mean you don't you can't know until you know but i feel like you can be educated on the childbirth education portion of it and like what it's supposed to look like and what my choices and options were which i knew but at the same time i didn't know so i feel like with my second at that point i was a certified childbirth educator i've been doing it for a lot longer and so that birth for a whole multitude of reasons right i with him got pregnant Quite easily again once my thyroid got fixed we, we haven't had any issues with getting pregnant um but and that birth went well and the pregnancy went well but with him i i didn't get an epidural because i wanted to labor spontaneously and didn't break my water until the very very end which was a i requested that they break my water so that things could, could move along and we could have the baby his birth was a little bit more traumatic because he had the cord really tight around his neck and so for his delivery, the nurse or the the OB ended up needing to cut the cord before his head was even fully out because he couldn't come the rest of the way out. So that was a little bit stressful, but pushed for like three minutes. Um, the contractions were much more manageable without the pitocin, and that labor experience in general was a lot more um, pleasant and kind of what I'm hoping for this third one to be like as well. Um, and then this pregnancy has gone. Really smoothly as well. Haven't had any issues, you know, with my blood pressure or my blood sugar, mm. anything like that. And just have enjoyed this. This is our our final pregnancy that we're going to have. Um, we think three is a really good number of kiddos for us. So,
0: and do you have any bit. preferences for this birth, or are you just going to see how it kind of how it plays out?
1: Yeah. So I have some birth preferences. Um, I and very big on making sure that the environment is nice and calm. I have a a video on my YouTube channel, what I'm packing in my labor bag Mm. where I'm going to bring, you know, some candles, some aromatherapy, not real candles, like fake ones. Um, You can't have fire in hospital, (laughs) too much (laughs) oxygen, Um, twinkly lights, things like that. Um, And then I would prefer not to get an epidural. This time I prefer to go into labor naturally, but I wouldn't be disappointed or feel like a failure if I got an epidural because I, know that they are a really valuable tool that can help with relaxation. They can help with cervical dilation if you're having a hard time with that occurring. And I, one thing that I know that I want is to do delayed cord clamping. I wasn't didn't do it with either of my other two because my five-year-old, it wasn't really a thing back then. Mm. And then with my two-and-a-half-year-old, they had to cut the cord before he yeah. was even born, basically. So we didn't get to do it with him. So I'd like to do about five minutes of delayed cord clamping And if that's not possible, because the baby needs resuscitation, needs anything like that, I'd like them to do cord milking, which is something that I have only really read about recently. Um, It's a big midwifery thing, but basically you just milk the cord Mm -hmm. really um, into baby before you clamp and cut. And one of the midwives that I work with, because we work with obese and midwives, does that. And that is recommended by the midwifery association in the United States. So,
0: Oh, well, I haven't heard of that. I've heard of late cord clamping and we mm-hmm. did that because um, I did a hypnobirthing course and it's one of the things I learned on the course. And I was like, wow, I really want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And we managed to do that. But I didn't realize you could milk the cord as well, but that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so that can be done if there's an emergent situation, like the baby needs to be resuscitated yeah. and the cord isn't done pulsating or even during like a cesarean birth, they can do... A little bit of delayed cord clamping, but then also they can milk the cord to get baby as much of that blood as as possible. Mm.
0: And you mentioned something, Elizabeth, about like failure and having an epidural, and this is mm-hmm. something that I'm really big on because I really hate how, as women, we have this. I mean, look, it's a society thing. It's like it, it's such a it's such a big issue. But I hate how we feel this. Like, unless you've had your baby unmedicated, vaginally, somehow you failed. And that whole narrative needs to change because it's actually about just having a positive birth experience. And, you know, I have a few girlfriends who decided to have an elective C-section because that was the best for them. And they had a really Mm -hmm. positive experience. I have some who wanted, you know, a water birth with like the whale music and the candles and that worked out for them. Like, you have to... You have to be informed and educated so that you can make decisions mm. that are best for you so that you have a really positive experience. And I hate that we feel like a failure if we end up taking one of these amazing tools that are there to help us. And sometimes you can have all the plans and all the will in the world. But, you know, thank God we have these things, these these interventions that help us when we need that help because we don't know how it's going to go. Um, and I really wish as women, we didn't feel that sort of like, you know, kind of, oh, well, you know, I didn't quite, and, and I hear it all the time, you know, like, how boy, yeah. well, yeah, it was good, but you know, I ended up having an epidural. Why, why do we feel that way? You know, where does this come from, do you think?
1: Um, I'm not quite sure where it comes from. I think there's just a lot in the parenthood and motherhood community of, of comparison but it's really, it's it's two births are not alike at all, even two births from the same human being are not the yeah. same. So I think the important thing is, like you said, that it's not about how you have your baby per se, but it's about that you are informed and educated and listened to by your birth providers and able to make decisions that are best for you. And if your decisions change from what your original plan is, that's okay. Um, but just feeling supported in the decisions that you make. And I also think that it is really, really important to remember that when we talk about birth trauma too, you could have an unmedicated vaginal birth that went as planned and still find trauma in that situation by just how things were experienced, how people treated you. You can have an emergent C-section that, yes, is traumatic in the sense that it's not what you were planning but like mentally you don't have birth trauma because things were explained to you you felt cared for by your provider you felt safe in the moment and it's you know everybody experiences trauma so differently it's hard to say well that is going to cause a traumatic experience and that is not because that's just simply not how it is
0: yeah and I think that having had a baby now and seeing how hard that postpartum period is and I Because I did my course, I did feel very informed and empowered. And so I felt really happy about my experience. So therefore, in my, those sort of first three months, the fourth trimester, in myself, I felt really kind of pleased with my birth experience. But it was still one of the hardest things I've ever been through that postpartum period. And it just made me, it just kept, I kept thinking of all those women who have had a really traumatic experience whilst then going through the postpartum period. And that's why it's so important to have this positive experience, whatever that looks like, where you feel cared for and safe, because those first three months are, I mean, it was, it was a lot. I mean, I'm still postpartum, yeah. but it it, yeah. it was, it was a lot. It was, yeah. And I, and so often we talk about our birth plan, but we then don't talk about a postpartum plan. And I wish looking back, I put more, more into that part of it as well. And not just being, I mean, I was so prepared for birth, you know, I was flooding myself with, with information and positive videos and, Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about what would happen after I had the baby, if I'm honest. Yeah,
1: I think that's a really normal occurrence because for almost all of us, that's what we're fixated on is the birth because that's the hurdle that we can see coming up. But you don't see the even larger hurdle of postpartum. And I think it's important too to to note that you don't know what's going to be traumatic for different people. So having the resources after birth, even if that's just a care provider sitting down with you and being like, let's talk about your birth tell me what what went well tell me what you have questions about I'm really processing that and then also knowing when to seek help if there was a traumatic experience that occurred to help you process and deal with that is gonna be so important because you could have every part of a positive experience but still have some trauma some from trauma, from yeah. the birth experience because we know that birth trauma I think the statistics are like seven to thirty percent mm. of births result in some sort of trauma for the birthing person. So just having the resources in place to deal with those things afterwards, even if it's just talking with your provider at some point too. But yeah, I think it's really hard to focus on that hurdle that's further down when all you can see is the birth. As yeah, your first it's, turtle.
0: it's such like a huge event and it's so hard to see past that. So Elizabeth, mm-hmm. for any expecting moms that are listening, what are your top three things you wish every pregnant woman know, knew about birth and then also postpartum? So let's do birth and then we'll do postpartum.
1: Okay, so for birth, I think top three things that I wish everybody knew is that almost everything that happens in labor, especially if, if you're in a hospital setting, is a choice so interventions like having your cervix checked or having your water broken or an induction and it's not a choice because i'm saying it's you versus the doctor and you're working against the doctor but the doctor really needs to be educating you on why they are thinking a certain intervention would be necessary what the pros and cons are really using that brain acronym i don't know if you're familiar with that so yeah for you to look at the benefit the recommendation um, all of those things to kind of help you make a choice in labor and in your birth and in your pregnancy too. Um, and I kind—I of, just wish that everybody would take a childbirth education class. I just really think that that would be so beneficial in preparing yourself for labor and also preparing yourself for postpartum to know what the norms are. Because I think that we watch movies and TV shows and people basically come in, their water breaks, they're screaming, and they push out a baby. And that's not often what labor looks like. It can definitely look like that. But especially with your first baby, things can take a little bit longer. And it can be super discouraging, even though your body's doing literally everything as it's supposed to do. And everything that it's doing is normal. Mm-hmm. When you're stuck at three centimeters for eight hours, you're not really stuck. Your body's doing a lot of other important things. But that's all you hear. And then you kind of get thrown into this cascade of interventions that we know can cause great outcomes, but we also know can cause some not so great outcomes. The third thing that I would love every pregnant person to know about labor is that labor can be a bit unpredictable. We don't necessarily always know what's going to happen with every single labor, with every single case. And a lot of people will say, well, all that matters is a healthy mom and a healthy baby all that matters is a healthy baby. And I really, I I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate where people are coming from when they say that. But I think that it's missing that part about the mental health that we've talked about a lot. I think that doesn't matter how you have your baby. If you have it in the woods, free birthing by yourself, if you have a planned cesarean birth, what matters is that you f- feel informed, you feel empowered, and you feel educated by your care providers and by your team to not only be healthy physically, but also healthy mentally. Um, And it's, it is about having a a healthy baby, but it's about so much more than that Mm. too. Um, And understanding that you are also part of the birth. Like it's not just all about coming out at the end with a healthy baby. It's about coming out and everybody being happy and healthy and safe. And that's definitely my goal when I am um, a nurse And, and really getting to chat with people too, postpartum about how they think things went. This is why I love working on a unit where I get to follow my patients all the way through, talking about their birth, if they have any questions about their birth, anything that happened, particularly if we have a situation that is a little bit more stressful, just so that people understand that it's like a whole picture of a family that comes out of it, not just the baby.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And what about three things for postpartum? Um, I think with postpartum, a lot of it comes
1: back to the person who's just given birth and all of the changes that they're going to experience physically and emotionally is so important. I think there's a phrase that's said a lot in the States, probably said a lot everywhere, that it takes a village. and It really does. And you might not know exactly who your village is going to or needs to be. And in the time of COVID-19, the village can look a little bit different and how they're supporting you looks a little bit different. But I think, I don't know, again, if this is a state's thing, we are really bad at asking for help. Somebody will offer you something and you're like, oh no, we're good. But like accepting help when people offer me help now, especially with this baby, like even if they didn't really mean it, well, sorry, you offered and now I'm going to ask you to yeah. like do something because I just understand that I can't do it all. I can't physically or emotionally do it all and we're not supposed to. So yeah. I think understanding that idea that it takes a village. I think also understanding after you have your baby, it's really normal to be a little bit tearful. But if things are feeling really overwhelming, if you're not feeling like yourself, if you're even thinking, I wonder if this is postpartum depression call your doctor call your support team because it's not it's really hard to recognize postpartum depression in yourself and if you're even having the thought that it could be it probably is Mm -hmm. because because there are so many changes it's hard to recognize if there's a change in you or if this is just who you are now because you're such a different person and the amount of sleep that you're getting and
0: the amount of like Self-care yeah. is so different. Yeah, it's really difficult to know because I, my mum had warned me about the baby blues mm-hmm. and she said, when your milk comes in, you you might feel really wobbly. And for the first few days, I was just on this high. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And then I came down off the high because I was exhausted and I hadn't slept. My milk came in and I was very tearful for a few days. Now, if that had continued, then I would have spoken to someone. But I thought, I'm just mm-hmm. going to sit in this because this is probably just my hormones, my lack of sleep. And then I, and then, I mean, I still had a, more days like that, but it wasn't sort of like, yeah you know consistently feeling really weepy and low i just had those few days where i the tears were just coming uncontrollably we'll be right back after this short break
1: so the third thing that i would love for everybody to know postpartum is what are some warning signs of things that could happen physically to your body that are not normal common or expected but could potentially be life-threatening because we are more vulnerable in that postpartum period Mm -hmm. both to a lot of different diseases and conditions but then we also are vulnerable because everybody's super focused on the baby nobody's really looking or thinking about mom so I actually have a video on postpartum birth warning signs um, but some of our top things that can be killers postpartum are cardiomyopathy, so issues with your heart, issues with your lungs, like a blood clot. You can develop preeclampsia postpartum, Mm. which I think a lot of people don't realize. You can have postpartum hemorrhage after you leave the hospital. You can get an infection in your uterus, in your incision if you had an abdominal or a cesarean birth. So I think just being aware that just because you've had the baby doesn't mean that you're totally free and clear and out of the woods. There's a lot of things that we want you to look out for Mm. when you're in that period of time where nobody's really checking in on you,
0: Yeah, in the States at least. I'm going to pop, I mean, I'll put a link to your YouTube channel, but I'll also put some links to a few of the videos that you've mentioned so people can just directly click on them because I think I felt so vulnerable postpartum. I, Mm -hmm. You know, it is a natural trauma on the body and everyone is just concerned with how baby is and sometimes Mm -hmm. no one really does ask you, you know, how are you feeling? Like you've had the baby, it's all fine. But yeah, I think we need to be aware of those things. And mm-hmm. also when you spoke about it takes a village, that is something I've been saying so much recently because, you know, we're living in a part of the world where expats, we don't have family around us. Mm-hmm. And I was that typical first time mom where I was like, I can do everything on my own. This is going to be fine. I can keep yeah. doing freelance work. I can manage the house. Like I've got this. And for a couple of months, I did have it. But then as baby got older, and she needs more from me in a different way. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I need help. I I, I, totally. I, just I physically cannot do all of this. And it's making me feel awful that I can't do it all. And, and accepting help. But once I got over that, and I did accept help, I mean, it's life changing. It literally mm-hmm. is life changing, but it can take a long time to to accept that you need some help. Because we're just you know, we used to be raised by villages and communities, and now we're just, totally. as a society, we just get on with it. And unless you've got family nearby, it's very difficult. So
1: and I support think that's a family. So
0: Sometimes you and have family, family that's family. not helpful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and whatever that looks like for you, get mm-hmm. help because there's no shame in that. And it will make you – I'm such a better mom now I have help. I have more patience. I just feel like I have more capacity for things, you know, so yeah it really does take a village um elizabeth i know your little ones are awake so we're going to go to the quick fire round um, Okay. okay you've given so much advice but i'm going to ask you for one piece of advice for all mothers
1: um i think the biggest piece of advice is to trust your gut and your instinct if you think that something's wrong go to your healthcare provider if you don't feel like you're getting the answers that you want Escalate it or ask for another opinion because you are the person who knows your body and your baby best.
0: Absolutely. Your top three essential newborn items. Ooh, okay.
1: I'm going to go kind of general, but I think having a safe place for baby to sleep, super, super important. Um, Newborn items, this isn't really an item, but I think it can be really beneficial if somebody is looking for something to gift you. Gift you a lactation consult visit in the house after you've had the baby if you're planning on breastfeeding even just to tell you everything's looking good going well I think a lot of times we we forget that we need a little bit of extra help once we go home too and it's nice to have somebody come and see you in the house as opposed to having to go somewhere um and then this is just something that I like a lot is like sleepers but that have a zipper particularly if they zip down so it's really easy to change the diaper
0: yeah, they're really good. I'm finding they're really good now because my baby's so mm-hmm. wriggly when I'm changing her. Yes. They they oh are really good even when they as they get older as well. Just because you can zip them up quickly and poppers. Trying to do poppers in the middle of the night with like no sleep is a nightmare. Um, no, what's yeah. one never, thing, works. never works. Never worked. What's one thing you wish someone had warned you about before becoming a mother?
1: Um, I don't know if if I would have listened if they had warned me, but I just think about how all-encompassing motherhood is and how it's really easy to kind of lose yourself in your identity as as just as a mother as opposed to like the person that you were before you're still that person, you're still that same person. I think it's really nice to have a creative outlet or an outlet that you can use in some way. Like I get to go to work once or twice a week. And then I also get to work on my YouTube videos. And those are things that bring me a lot of joy that are connected to motherhood because they're about motherhood, but not necessarily all about my kids all the time. Mm. So I think it's important to kind of remember who you are beforehand. And I think that I have definitely lost, I've lost myself postpartum with both of my babies, just, you know, with mental health stuff and with issues with um, breastfeeding and all of those things. But like, I, I am a mother, but I'm also Elizabeth.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's what this podcast is for me. It's, y- it's it's very difficult to not lose yourself when for the, those sort of first couple of months you you give everything to your baby and they have to come first mm-hmm. and you forget how to take care of yourself and you have to almost learn how to do it again. Um what's your favorite thing about being a mum?
1: I really love watching my kids watching their minds work. And I feel like this starts when they're little babies and they're trying to roll over for the first time or they're like interested in something. And then now it's like my five-year-old bursting into the room yesterday when I was filming a video, she was listening to a podcast. She loves to listen to the Rebel Girls podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
0: No, I don't know that one.
1: Yeah. So it's just stories about really strong, powerful women in history. So like real women. I and need to she, subscribe to this. Oh, it's so good. They have books too, but she burst into the room. She was like, mom, what does being blind mean? And then we had this whole conversation about this. I don't even know who the person was that she was listening to, but this woman who was a dancer, but she was also blind. And so like, we got to talk all about that. She just has so many questions and she is looking to me for the answers, which is stressful, but I love watching her little mind work and, and helping guide her on that journey. And my son too, of course.
0: And finally, Elizabeth, what does motherhood mean to you in three words? Mm, in three words, I think motherhood
1: means love. Obviously, we have a lot of love for our children. Um, I think this is, this is a tricky one. Um, I think also there is a sense of, of, of guidance, like I said, with motherhood and And realizing that it's not my job to make my child be a certain way, but to help guide them on the path Mm. to be a good human. And however that looks and however that appears. And I think trust in the whole process is also really important. It's so easy to think that you don't know what you're doing or feel like you have imposter syndrome in anything that you do. But in motherhood in particular, when we see people on social media really projecting this like, My house is perfect and white and spotless and my children are all wearing white clothes and we just like sit around and as a family, we don't do any screen time, but that's not normally the process that works for most people and kind of trusting how you're raising your children is a really important part of motherhood too.
0: Oh, Elizabeth, thank you so much. And I only follow people now on Instagram that, and on TikTok that keep it really (laughs) real. Like I'm not interested in seeing a perfect life because nobody's life is (laughs) perfect. Effect, especially when totally. you have kids elizabeth totally. thank you so much i'm gonna put all your info in the show notes and like i said some links to um your most recent videos and just thank you so much for giving me some time when you're literally like you could go into labor any day now so <laughs> thank you so much and i wish you all the best with your third oh, thank labor you.
1: thank you i really appreciate that thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to listen to this podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to all your other podcasts. So I need to, maybe I'll do that postpartum. That will be my little thing that I get to do while I'm
0: breastfeeding. 3 a.m. while you're breastfeeding, yeah. It'll be perfect, yeah, okay. (laughs) I think I'm being summoned again, but (laughs) thank Thank you you so much. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Massive thank you once again to Elizabeth and congratulations on the birth of your beautiful baby girl. You can find links to Elizabeth's Instagram and YouTube channel in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, along with info on our recently launched Meaningful Mama Mornings, which take place every month here in Dubai. With these Mama Mornings, we are so thrilled to be able to bring you a different expert guest in person each month from infant sleep consultants, weaning experts, parenting coaches, and so much more. So I really hope to see you at one of our events in the near future. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child the podcast to help us reach more wonderful mamas. Until next time, thank you for listening.